My guest today is the bassist for one of the most popular instrumental progressive metal bands around. They just finished a co-headlining tour with Glass Cloud. I'd like to welcome Mark Michelle from Scale the Summit. So, uh, hey, nice to meet you, man. Thanks for doing this. How's it going? Yeah, it's going great, man. Just uh, hanging out, getting some work done. Glad to do it. Thanks for the opportunity. No, no problem. So uh, where are you now? Are you in the, on the road or you just finished the tour, right? Yeah, we wrapped that tour back in end of August, maybe August 21st or so. And we've been home since then. But I, we're all just at home now. Chris is actually on vacation and everyone's kind of going their own way like we do after a tour. So right. we're all relaxing after the tour. Where is home for you? Where are you from, rather? I'm personally from Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, not a lot of people know where that is. It's <laughs> right. northwest Louisiana, kind of close to Dallas, but the band's normally based in Houston. That's where they're all three from. So That's cool. So when you guys split up, how long before you guys meet up again? Well, normally, you know, before a tour, I'll come down and rehearse maybe one time just to freshen up and then come down a few days before we leave for tour and we all rehearse. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not, you know, the internet makes it really easy to practice and prepare for everything. So it, it's, in this day and age, there's not too much necessity just to meet together all the time. So it works out. But I do commute down there for stuff like that. When you uh, recorded with the band uh, that first time, did you, did you do it in the studio with them or, or uh, send sessions online? Well, we did a lot of writing online. And obviously we got together and jammed because that, that's obviously important as we wanted to be really prepared going into the studio. You know, as time is money and you're paying hourly. So, but for the actual recording process, we all went to Jamie King at uh, Basement Studios in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So we were all there for a month or so, all together, all inclusive, and hashed out the recording that way. So oh, very cool. So um, let me let me go back to the tour, uh, which uh, was over the summer with uh, Glass Cloud, right? And yes. Uh, co-headlining tour. Um, was that your first kind of co-headlining thing? Actually, we've done a few of these co-headlining things. Uh, it's, it's actually our second one this year. The previous one we did with the band called The Ocean from Germany. Okay. And co-headlining, you know, it simply means obviously just we just swap headlining spots every night. Right. So I guess the fans coming to the show aren't sure who's closing, so it's kind of like a surprise, I guess, is the mentality. But uh, yeah, the Glass Cloud one is the second one we've done this year. Same type of thing, rotating headlining spots. So and tour was great, lots of fun. Yeah, um, so I heard uh, or read rather that Chris had that accident with his finger. He posted something online. Uh, you know, how's he doing? And, and sort of how did that affect the last couple of shows? It was pretty scary. I mean, he was trying to fix a, uh, one of our like merch signs with, with one of my pocket knives. And it, <laughs> it just in a hurry, you know, haste makes waste, obviously, in this situation. So the pocket knife just slammed shut on his finger. And we, you know, long story short, rushed to the ER had to get some really serious stitches and bandaging. We almost had to cancel the tour, but you know, we feel horrible having to do something like that. So we just said, let's just drop off for a few days. The doctor actually said, you can't play for three days. You need to really let it rest and be still. So he said, after three days, I'm going to see how I feel. And ended up feeling pretty good. He, I think he actually used a different finger and just tried to learn a different way to play temporarily. And uh, throughout the tour, once we got back on, he just slowly worked it back in, and it wasn't really a big deal, and we're really glad to have finished it. So it could have been a lot worse. Like, he barely missed the bone and the tendon and all that, so it was like, by the skin of the teeth, that could have been career-ending, so it's, it's really fortunate. That's it happened insane. The way it did. Wow, that's crazy. Um, it happens, you know. You know, what I was wondering about is uh, you guys kind of came, 
a little bit earlier than some of these newer bands, uh, Animals as Leaders and, and that whole kind of instrumental uh, genre, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and it seems to be gaining a lot of popularity. Is that are you are you seeing the benefits of that now as you guys continue to go on the road? Our audience is getting bigger, you know that type of thing. Well, the thing about instrumental music is it's you know it's obviously been around forever, but in the modern you know music industry, it hasn't never really been toured much. So yeah. um, I wasn't around. I've only been in the band since 2012, but I hear them speak the story a lot that when they first started instrumental music, nobody cared about it. It was like a, a weird way to go in the music industry you know you, sh you guys should get a vocalist and all this and <clears throat> promoters you know the first time the band wanted to tour didn't give them the light of day because they were instrumental and so once we finally started getting some momentum back then um, you see a lot of these bands pop up now and all of a sudden it's like a big pop culture type thing in the progressive metal world progressive music yeah. world or whatever there's instrumental bands everywhere so I'm sure it's very rewarding to the guys who've been doing it for a very long time to see that kind of resurgence and kind of like they've been paving the way but at the same time it's really just about scale of summit has always done their own thing and write the music they kind of want to write and everyone who's joined along the way is a big bonus and positive at the same time yeah i mean you guys talk to some of those other instrumental bands and and uh, are friendly with them or or you're really just in your own kind of bubble yeah i mean we all know them uh i don't we haven't done too many tours with instrumental bands but uh uh you know between all of us personally we we keep in touch with them and you know hope to tour them all at one point someday or something but it, it's been discussed and it's just a matter of time and the stars aligning but uh yeah it's a pretty cool community and everyone seems really open to to be in touch and, and supportive of each other so it's it's a tight-knit community but um we definitely feel a good part of it you know, I think there's a it's a cool niche you guys found because you you know in the 80s and 90s you sort of had to be if it was instrumental it had to be like Cetriani or something. And, right. I right, mean, and, and that was great, and I, and people love that stuff too, and I do. But that's its one sort of sound. And then then you had sort of a, metal got really heavy with the growl vocals, and maybe you didn't like the growl vocals, but you still liked metal. You know, so you guys sort of fit somewhere in the middle there. Um, which is kind of a cool thing, and I think that's why it's maybe um, found its audience. Yeah, I know that it's weird because there's this weird paradigm with instrumental music that you don't have a vocalist, so it, you might not be as quick to be in the mainstream, or like popularity is obviously not going to be a flash in the pan thing, so you may think it could be limiting, but we've actually found that not having a vocalist allows us to surpass that label of right. what genre because everyone judges a band's style based on the vocalist is the first thing they go to so we don't have screaming we don't have operatic singing so we can kind of fit in with anyone and just in the last year for the migration touring cycle I mean just the diversity of bands we toured with we just did a tour with Glass Cloud and Era and Monuments and Reflections who are all like extremely heavy lots of harsh vocals and then back in November, we did a tour with The Reign of Kendo, who are like a jazz rock pop band. And then we've done Intronaut and Tesseract. So it really goes to show that we can kind of hold our own with anybody. And we feel it's accessible enough that an audience for all these types of genres can really latch on to something we have, which has been cool to see. Yeah, totally. Um, so what's now uh, with the band now that you guys are on a break? Have you started work on a new record? Are you in the writing process or just planning? Um, well, we had a pretty solid 14 months of, like, I almost want to call it a world tour. I mean, we went to Europe, Canada, we did a Caribbean cruise, so we've been everywhere, and we're just kind of 
getting back into the creative process and really starting work on the next scale. The Summit album, we plan to really hit that hard this fall. And we're just kind of coasting on some of the more recent projects. You know, Chris just released his solo album Lightbox back in July, so he's really wanting to tour that um, maybe in the future, so he's kind of keeping the momentum on that. And we're all constantly releasing instructional books. Um, so we're, we're keeping busy, but we're, we're supplementing all of that to the grand point of the band, which is obviously our next fifth album, which we're really excited to get to work on. But we have a few one-off festivals and such. I think we're hanging up the touring for a while until we get the new album done. Uh, we plan to maybe get that all recorded maybe by the end of the year, early next year, and maybe a spring, summer release next year. But we have Progtoberfest. Oh, which right, is a yeah. Prague festival in Chicago, and I think it's October 26th. And I think we have some plans to do something with Berkeley College of Music, like a clinic slash band performance, tentatively in December. So that'll be really fun to do, some kind of something different. But uh, other than that, we're just keeping busy with our own projects. Um, and, you know, that's the cool thing about the music industry. There's always something to do, but we're looking forward to get the creative juices flowing again. You know, being sort of, I don't. You guys aren't really a newer band, but I guess relative to you know the Coldplay's or the whatever of the world, you know, you guys would be. You know, how how is it for a band like you guys to navigate the new kind of music industry with uh, the downloading and the the difficulty for record sales and and that kind of stuff? I mean, you guys seem to be making a living doing it and doing well. So, you know, how do you uh, how do you sort of figure that out and find find a way to to do that? Well, it's really just about having a really good balance between the passion and creativity for music, because that's why we're here. But you also have to run the band like a business and have a good business logical sense about how to keep afloat and keep momentum. And it kind of goes into what I was just saying. Even though we have this downtime, you have to capitalize on it with all these side projects and endeavors and instructional book releases that Chris and I both have and instructional this and lessons and solo albums. So it's just a big conglomerate mash of all that. Um, and it's really just, like I said, it really goes back to just running the band like a business. But to answer your question about the music industry, um, it's the music industry is evolving and changing more rapidly than ever. And if you don't embrace the changes and roll with the punches, you're just going to be left in the dust. And I, I, it's so common to see musicians not understanding you know, how the business model is now because it's obviously changed so much in the last 20 years. And instead of you know, gripe about what it used to be like and how it isn't now, you have to look at it how it is now and prepare to move with it for the future. So all the downloading and social media, it's just something you have to kind of learn. And what I'm starting to see now is that music is becoming less the product and more of your business card. And your live concert is now your product and your merchandise and all these other releases and solo instructional stuff. So it's just a new business model and I really urge any musician coming up to just really have to roll with the punches. Get on the internet. Internet is free. Free promotion, social media. And we're all young and pretty in tune with all that, so it, it's been pretty easy for us to, to be aware of our surroundings. But um, yeah, it's changing fast and you just got to be on for the ride. Yeah, I think another aspect too is, is probably that, you know, 20 years ago you might have wanted to be in a rock band because you saw a cool video and you wanted to be a rock star maybe. But now that's sort of a pipe dream maybe to get to <laughs> yeah. that thing so if you go into this you doing it because you really love it and it's because it's all you want to do and whatever happens happens yeah I mean the whole rock star larger than life I mean 
I guess in the pop culture, I guess it's still possible because yeah. you know, the uh, the industry can really facilitate that. But uh, just the problem now is that there's bands, there's so many bands out there that are saturating the market. So, you know, back in the 90s, if you wanted to listen to metal, you had Metallica, and that's really all that was around, or it was really in your face. But now, if you want post-death fusion core melodic there's a band that's that specific so it's like right. everyone is so picky and there's so many options that it it really puts everyone in a big wash so you kind of have to branch out beyond the music and really brand yourself as players your people you know solo albums you know you can always brand your name so that that type of thinking just kind of is the way to go now you have to kind of instead of just fight the problem figure out a solution but i totally agree it's way different than it used to be and it'll only continue to change yeah no that's cool man you seem to really have a have a beat on it which is great actually i wanted to ask you about the the instructional books and and that other stuff that you do how did you get into doing that part and and what do you take now from from being in the band and everything that you put into those uh books as you do them now well the great thing about scale the summit is a large part of our fan base is musicians <laughs> so it really makes this type of stuff a big niche market. So it just started off really with tab books. People wanted to learn music. And then once you do tab books, you know, it kind of evolves from there. So I think basically, you know, Chris had instructional books before I was in the band. And it's something I've come into the band and kind of done as well. But, you know, we all teach lessons on the side when we're off tour. It's something we all do and have done for a very long time professionally. And I think as the band grows and tours more, it, it is to the student a little, I don't know what the word would be, unfair, but I guess if you're touring eight to ten months out of the year or over however period of time, it's a little hard to keep the lessons consistent with like a regimen and keeping the student's attention. So instructional books were a solution, a cheaper solution actually, to where the students can just buy the book and still learn from Chris Letchford or Mark Michelle, um, but just at their own pace and regardless of where they're at. So the books are just kind of like a, the fill in that gap and now it's 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 done really well and uh books are it's kind of weird but i feel like books will always maintain a status quo on the marketplace because you know you look at a book and you might think it's archaic but now the dvd business i feel is really falling off because you can just stream it or go on youtube but you can never download a book so it's just really uh just a solution to all the touring we've done and still being able to teach to our students as a sort of a, a lighter note what are you? What do you listen to? I imagine it's it's pretty eclectic. Um, well, I really just started off. I was I got into metal pretty late, to be honest. I was really into like <laughs> oldies and Motown and <laughs> Beach Boys, and that's that's good good classic sense, music. Totally. And then I eventually got to classic rock. And once I got into metal, I got into like Dream Theater, Metallica. And since then, I, I really just try to keep my palate broad. I, I really think it's limiting to just be like, oh, I only listen to metal or progressive music now. And it's honestly, it's a weird dichotomy now because I, being on tour all these months and playing progressive metal and constantly writing it, and I feel like I'm metaled out. So I really try to listen to like things I, you normally wouldn't expect, pop music and all kind of other stuff like that, just, just to balance it out. Um, but I really love the reign of kendo it's the one band we toured with back in november it's kind of like jazz rock and pop and I, I don't know man i haven't really been checking out a lot of new music just revisiting some old stuff uh you know more more keeping current with the bands i've always liked um between the buried in me is another good one coheed and cambria um 
Periphery is great. The Faceless, and of course things like Metallica. I always listen to. So, wish my answer was more interesting there, but <laughs> that's nah, kind of my palette. Hey, your answer's your answer, you know. Yeah. I mean, uh, growing up on the Beach Boys is interesting enough. Hey, man, that, they're that's they really stuff. paved the way. Very cool, man. Listen, uh, I'll let you go. Uh, really nice meeting you, and glad to hear you guys are doing so well, man. It's it's awesome that that this kind of music is existing, and you guys are, are really making a name for yourselves here. It's exciting. Yeah, wish thanks. You, uh, continued success, man. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you having me, and great talking to you. You too, buddy. Thank you. All righty. Thanks to Mark for the interview. We're going to close with a track off the migration called "The Olive Tree." For more information and upcoming interviews, please check theparkreport.com. Thanks.